Welcome to the politicalbetting.com Polling Matters podcast. My name is Kieran Pedley. Well, there's only one show in town this week, and that is the uh, recent vote of confidence in Theresa May's leadership but among Conservative MPs. The Prime Minister passed that test, winning by 200 votes to 117. But it wasn't the most convincing of margins. So where do we go from here? Not only in terms of the leadership of the Conservative Party, and therefore, of course, leadership of the country, but what about Brexit policy too? The countdown to the end of March carries on uh, apace, and yet there has been no meaningful vote in Parliament. So it seems like nothing has changed, but in a very apprehensive way, as we look ahead to the future in 2019. So I'm joined this week, as ever, by my co-host, Leo Barassi, to pour over what happened this week. Leo, welcome. Hello, Karen. So this is probably going to be a slightly different episode of Polling Matters. There is some polling to talk about, um, but there isn't loads. And I think we were talking off air, weren't we, about how there's only really one show in town this week. It's not every day that a prime minister has a vote of confidence in them. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll have another one of a different kind uh, coming up soon. Um, but what did you make of this week before we get into the detail? So I guess in thinking about how you judge something like this, uh, there's an aspect of political punditry that is increasingly uh, jarring, I think, which is uh, to evaluate any kind of election or vote like this on the basis of whether the result was better or worse than you expected in advance. Because what that ultimately is then is a judgment on how good your intelligence was about what was going to happen and how good the spin of each side was. So I guess in thinking about it, I want to avoid doing a sort of, is this better or worse than we thought it was going to be? And think instead about, well, was it a good or bad result? And I suppose in thinking about it, um, I was, I'm thinking like this, to, to want to be rid of Theresa May, you have to, uh, as a Tory MP, you have to think about what you'd get instead. And there's essentially no way of knowing whether she'd be succeeded by someone who would be much more Remainy or much more no dealy. And essentially, you just couldn't know that in advance. I mean, I think it's fair to say that her successor would be significantly more one or the other, because I don't think there was any plausible path where she would be succeeded by someone who was essentially the Theresa May continuity candidate. So given that, what we've seen is that there's at least 117 of her MPs who are prepared to who want something significantly different enough from her plan that they're prepared to get uh, to risk getting the thing that is the opposite of what they wanted rather than taking her plan. So in terms of sort of, you know, was it good? Was it bad? Well, she survived. She can't be challenged for another year. But on the other hand, there's a very large chunk of her MPs who are so unhappy with her path that they're prepared to risk everything to to get off it. It's funny that point you make about expectation management because it is it is the name of the game in Westminster, isn't it? You know, people are speculating about you know, what would be a good result or a bad result. I remember watching the coverage on Sky the other night and Beth Rigby, who's obviously great, and she, she was on, I think it was with Adam Bolton, or it might have been with uh, Dermot Murnhone, I can't remember now. Um, but anyway, you know, Beth was saying about how, you know, Downing Street was briefing certain numbers where as long as she gets, what was it, something like 180, then she's she, that's good or something. It, it was all very unconvincing. I mean, I think for me, I was looking at it thinking, well, if the, if the no's, break 200 uh, sorry break 100 then that's really bad for her but then i thought to myself well, maybe i'm being a bit arbitrary like why is why is 99 okay and 100 is 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 bad and 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 really critical for her um 
But yeah, I mean, it, it was worse. It was worse than I thought it was going to be for the Prime Minister. And I think that, okay, she won by a sort of two to one margin. But if you look at this in the context of the withdrawal agreement, I mean, on the one hand, she was right to postpone the vote, wasn't she? Because, I mean, it's, it seems like, I mean, I know it might not be as crude as 117 would have voted against the deal, but she would have she would have lost very, very badly, quite, quite clearly. And she recognised that, which is why she postponed the vote. But I don't see how she goes from where she is now to what? Even a hundred, even like half of those people or two thirds of those people that voted against her in a no conference vote, voting for that deal. So surely her deal is dead. Uh, yeah, I mean, you obviously made a point there that she, it was definitely the right thing for her to do to have delayed the vote. I'm, I'm not convinced that's obviously the case because, uh, yeah, she was definitely going to lose it and lose it very badly. Um, now, the fact that she hasn't. Not sure that really has changed anything. It's not like um, there's a load of MPs who are a bit more supportive of her because of that. All all that it's really done is is made her look frit. So, well, yeah, I, 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 I would say there though that if she'd lost her vote, um, you know, by hundreds, which mm. it seems like based on these numbers she would have done because obviously Labour mm. and the SNP etc would have voted against it then that would have been mm. a much better pretext to vote against her in a vote of no confidence, wouldn't it be? I mean, I know it's speculation to some degree, but you know, the people that wanted her to, to lose that vote could have said to their colleagues in Parliament, well, you know, her vote's been voted overwhelmingly against. We need someone else to come in and do this differently. Whereas now, at least there's the pre, there's, there's a sort of, we can all pretend that maybe her vote might pass in the future. Well, yeah, but it is a pretense, right, isn't it? Because had she lost that vote, she would have done pretty much exactly what she's doing now, which is saying, well, I'm now going to Brussels with the mandate of Parliament having rejected it to try and get a better deal. So I'm not sure her situation would have been any different. Now, I mean, I think you might be right that it was definitely the right decision to, or that it was the right decision to have delayed it, but I'm not convinced that it's an open and shut case and losing it would have made her situation much worse than it is now. But sort of regardless, I mean, either way, we're in pretty much, I don't think the position is that fundamentally different. We're in a position where she is clearly going to lose the vote, I think, unless... Um, well, I, perhaps I'm going to qualify that statement, actually. Um, she's got... She's in a bad place for the vote. Um, she's lacking a lot of support. But I guess what she's trying to do here is to get closer and closer to the cliff edge so that enough MPs will will feel like the only option is supporting her. Otherwise, they get no deal. And that includes Labour MPs. Which is what you've, I mean, always, which is what you've always said, to be fair, isn't yeah, it? You've always said it's going to be... Yeah, yeah. She wants to I, present I, it as a choice between no deal and her deal. Yeah, not wanting to bask in, in the glory. Because actually, I... I Though I'm not sure that I think that that is going to succeed. Um, and I think in the past, I was perhaps more confident that that path was a, was a path towards success. But I think that is the uh, what she's what she's trying to do. And I don't I don't think that holding a vote and losing it would have made it significantly more difficult. But anyway, I mean, that's that's where she is. And so, yeah, she's clearly attempted to come back with something that looks slightly improved. I think nobody expects it to be very different. And then eventually to put that up to the vote, but presumably to do that at a time frame that makes it difficult for there to be any, any other option, that it's that or a cliff edge. But isn't aren't the most important people here the DUP? I mean, I know I know numerically that's not necessarily the case. There's there's 10 or so, um, I'll have to look that up. I think it's 10 uh, DUP MPs. Um, so obviously compared to the 117, 
um, even if you cut that in half, you know, it's, it's overwhelmingly um, the numbers are more important in her party, just crudely. But I feel like if she gets the DUP on board, at least she can say to people in her party, look, we've got, you know, they're on board. There are sort of, well, not coalition partners, but there are they're the people propping up the government with the confidence and supply agreement. You know, maybe she can eke away at her own party then. Whereas as long as the DUP are voting against this deal, basically it, it's, a, it's, it's a bit doomed. Certainly on the first vote, I mean, I think it's very hard for Labour MPs to break ranks on the first vote. Um, but maybe maybe on the second two, depending on how many Tory MPs uh, she, she can get back. So I feel like if she's got to break the deadlock in Parliament, that has to be through giving getting something that the uh, the DUP can vote for, right? I mean, I, I don't see how else she convinces uh, large swathes of the Tory party to come back to her. I guess I'm not convinced by your um, the way you put it there, because so I see I see the point about it perhaps being a symbolic victory if if she does get the the DUP on board, but in the end, it's politically she, politically breaking the deadlock is kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that, but she isn't going to be able to win this vote without Labour MPs or SNP or MPs or whatever. I mean, there are even if she got the DUP back on board, there are definitely going to be enough Tory defections that she's going to need votes from other parties. Uh, so, yeah, that's it's true that the DMP would be helpful perhaps for reducing the Tory rebellion, but she's still not. I mean, Jacob Rees-Mogg and John Redwoods um, and Owen Paterson are not voting for this deal, right? I guess, so, I guess what I'm getting at is to even get into a position where you've got Labour MPs. Where Labour MPs can bring you home, you've got to then make that gap sufficiently small that that can happen, right? So you're not, she's not going to get like hundreds of Labour MPs, or, or you know, she's going to get maybe you know, twenty or thirty maybe. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of picking his number. I will accept I'm picking his number slightly out of thin air, but I don't think you're going to get like large, like large uh, numbers of Labour MPs come through for her. I mean, I, I must admit, I mean, just as an aside, I was. I was watching the results come through the other night and I'm not making a party political point or a uh, a point that I'm personally advocating for here, but there's part of me that thinks, I'm trying to look at ways that the deadlock could be broken here before March and there's a bit of me that thinks maybe she it'd be better if she was gone because ultimately, you know, by the sounds of it, she's not going to get concessions back from Europe and this is the, this is the, the key thing, right? So maybe she does. But it looks like she's not going to get concessions back from Europe that are going to break the deadlock in Parliament. Even if she got her withdrawal agreement through, though, in the current climate, the DUP are going to bring down a government. So I don't know what the alternative is, but I'm really struggling to see how Theresa May's leadership is the solution because she's put her MPs on notice and by saying like, she's not going to fight the next election. So in many ways, she's a kind of... I don't want to use the word lame duck, that's too loaded, but in many ways, like people know she's going, so her authority is waning insofar as she had it in the first place. Um, and she just doesn't seem, in these sorts of situations where she's got to persuade people and win people over and, you know, make the speech of her life to, to bring people around, that sort of thing. I, I, I haven't seen anything in it, in, in her, that says she's got the political skills to do that. I mean, maybe this okay. is unfair, but if you look so, at, if you look at, just one final thing, I mean, if you look at, um, the speech she gave after that no confidence vote the other day, she basically came out in Downing Street and said pretty much verbatim exactly the same thing she'd been saying for a few days. So I guess I want listeners to understand I, I don't see my role here on this podcast as sort of advocating for one side or another. This is about polling and what you know what public opinion is and what's going on in Westminster. But I just look at it from just a rational perspective. Can she get this through? And I'm I'm doubtful of her political skill to do that. 
so I guess I feel like a, a way of articulating um, what what you're saying that is perhaps why, why I think I'm going to disagree is that a, a more skilled prime minister, uh, prime minister, a more skilled politician who was going to be prime minister for longer would be able to offer things like budget bonuses for people's constituency or for Northern Ireland, or they might be able to offer jobs in government, or they might be able to offer knighthoods. But because people are thinking Theresa May's about to go anyway, uh, she's lame duck, then she's not able to do that. So I feel like that's an argument that in normal times I might be a bit more persuaded by, but I reckon that there's very little that could persuade an individual MP who doesn't like Brexit that isn't, oh, sorry, who, sorry, let me rephrase that, who doesn't like May's deal. I don't think there's much that can persuade them that is outside the realm of Brexit. I feel like this is, if you're trying to persuade ERG members, and you've got to persuade some, if you're not going to need a vast number of Labour MPs, if you're trying to persuade some, then you can't do it on the basis of we're going to um, get a great deal for the um for the steel workers in your constituency um or or whatever like this has to happen in the realm of brexit it has to be something about well here's how we're changing the backstop and your point about another person might be able to get the deal through other than Theresa may for me that doesn't work because this is really a vote about the deal and someone else who came in now if Theresa may stood down and let's say jeremy hunt came as like the Theresa may continuity candidate uh, and effectively brought in the new deal, sorry, brought in the same deal, but did it with a new style, a more mm. uh, conciliatory, um, you know, let, let's imagine Jeremy Hunt was a good public speaker and was <laughs> was warm and charismatic and so on, then was able to, add, actually, I've got no idea. He might be quite warm and charismatic in real life. I'm not sure. But however warm and charismatic the Theresa May continuity candidate was, I don't think that that changes much because as long as the same deal's on the table, then I don't think it matters that much who's selling it. Okay, sure, it it matters some and like some better outreach to Labour MPs would probably help. But I guess I just don't see what changes by having someone other than Theresa May effectively selling Theresa May's deal. Well, this is a good good example of the podcast, which uh, happens occasionally where we disagree. I mean, I think... I do, I do, I do accept the premise that fundamentally it doesn't look like the deal is going to change very much. Although cosmetics can be important, um, I'll just go back to what, without repeating myself from, from earlier, I just doubt she has the political skill, other than essentially leaving it right to the last minute and and hoping people um, are so scared of no deal that they just go with her. I mean, I, I do understand that strategy. I, I, I'm a bit worried about it. I, I sort of share Stephen Bush's view of the law of unintended consequences. But let's say, for argument's sake, she'd gone this week. And, um, you know, there was, there was, there was, we can talk a bit about what the leadership contest of the Tory party might look like in a moment, maybe. But um, let's say, I don't know, maybe, Mike, let's say Michael Gove. I mean, he's not necessarily going to reach out to Labour MPs. But let's say someone like Michael Gove comes in as the pragmatic, look, um, I'm a Brexiter, um, I don't like this deal that much, but trust me, we're going to get through, we're going to do this, and then we're going to get Brexit done, and you know, we'll, we'll sort out the rest later, basically. You know, that kind of idea that I think Gove appears to have been quite close to for a while, right? Um, yeah. I, I, I think, it's just my judgment, other people could fundamentally disagree with me, and I'm sure there's people listening that know the Tory party much better than I do. But I, I, my instinct is he would be able to sell that plan that idea 
with some changes, cosmetic or otherwise, and you know that's that's to be debated separately. Much better to the Tory party than Theresa May can. I think trust in her is so low. She seems to have basically won that vote of no confidence the other day based on saying, I'm not going to be around for much longer. And also there is no alternative, right? No alternative to... To her staying in or a, ca- or a chaotic Brexit. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so she, she, is, has, she, she is, hasn't she, won... I mean, standing between us and Helen Hancart. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, may, maybe this is a moot point because ultimately she's won that, she's won that contest. But there's just a part of me that wonders whether if she had gone... Um, all right, maybe the fundamentals of the deal aren't necessarily going to change, but someone would be able to sell it to the Tory party and to the people in the DUP better. I use Michael Gove as an example. I'm not necessarily sure he is the person, but I, I, I think I use him but because he's a, he's a leader. I think Michael a really right? interesting idea of that because you're right, he obviously would have better relations with the ERG um, and you know, clearly is a lever, Um but on the other hand, he's already said that he doesn't like the deal. He turned down the job of Brexit secretary because mm. he couldn't go out and sell the deal. So I feel like, and that's not just a trivial detail, that's fundamental to the problem here, that anyone who could persuade the ERG of this deal doesn't like the deal. But in politics, and we'll move on from this in a moment, I think, but in politics, I wonder whether you, you know, like you had Obamacare in America, right? You know, like sort of you put someone's label on it. It, it, you can change the label and it, 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 the substance might not change very much, but actually the change of the label matters politically. There's a bit of me that wonders, and maybe this is speculation that will never come to pass, whether if it, even if the substance of the deal was fundamentally the same in the sense there is some sort of backstop, which most people accept there has to be, um, if it's Gove's deal versus May's deal, is there that warmth and that trust towards him as a person that wins votes in Parliament that she can't win? I don't know. Maybe I'm totally off off off, ba- off base here, but I when I was looking at the results the other night, and and particularly after her speech, as I said in, on the on the steps of Downing Street, where I just thought, oh, I just don't know. She's got it in her to to get this through. And you know, yes, fear of no deal may win the day in the end. Oh, that's a hell of a gamble, though, Leo. Yeah, I agree. But okay, so what about the other path? What about um, look? She's coming up towards the wire we think probably the plan is um, we uh, to make the option her deal or no deal. Obviously, there's a lot of people who are going to try and use that to leverage the conversation being a referendum is the only way to get out of this problem of a very unpopular deal or no deal for which there's very little support in Parliament. So I guess... For those who want a referendum, what's what's the path here? Is there, is there any way of, of doing that? And I think we should also think about Labour's role in this. Well, I think for for a referendum to happen, surely Corbyn and McDonnell have to want one. I think it's probably step one before we even worry about Theresa May. I mean, a lot of people talk about Theresa May offering a referendum as a way out. Everything I've seen from her suggests that that's the last thing in the world she wants to do, is to offer the chance of remain... Um, prevailing after all but I suppose it's not it's not being too snarky to say well I guess she said there's been there'll be no election and there was an election and that sort of thing so maybe maybe there will be but I I, I don't know do you, do you think she could she really go there so I think I've got two two points of perhaps disagreement on, on you with you here so first I don't entirely agree that a referendum only happens if Corbyn and McDonald want one um 
I'm not saying this is likely, but if Theresa May uh, announced that she now wanted a referendum, I don't think Corbyn and McDonald would have any choice but to back it because there would be so much support in their party from their members, let alone their voters. Mm. Uh, I don't think that they could oppose a referendum that Theresa May said she wanted. Uh, although perhaps a bit like a TV debate, they might say they support it, they're just disagreeing on what the, the terms of the, the referendum are, which I guess takes me on to the second point. Interesting tweet earlier today by uh, Theo Bertram, who I'm sure many listeners will will follow on Twitter, who's a former advisor, I think, both to, to Blair or Brown, who suggested a way of framing a referendum that might be actually very favourable for May. Um, and taking your point that she clearly doesn't want one, but she, I'm sure, doesn't want to be in the situation she's in now and might eventually consider it to be the least bad outcome. Um, and the way that, that Theo Bertram suggested that the referendum could be structured is with a two-part question or two two-part referendum. I guess it would have to be at the same time, probably. Um, so as it could theoretically be different days, but it probably wouldn't happen. Firstly, should the UK leave or remain in the EU? And secondly, if we vote to leave, which do you prefer, May's deal or no deal? Now, I think I can see why that would be quite good for May, because the first question is a straight up leave or remain. Mm. And okay, the polls are somewhat in favour of uh, remain at the moment, but I think it's entirely plausible that leave would win that. And then the second question would be May's deal versus no deal. Um, And I think it's, well, it's not decisive, but there's a reasonably clear lead in polls when that's given a he- a straight head-to-head for, for May's deal over, over no deal. Now, both those are massive risks. May uh, you know, has got to win twice for, for her thing to, to, to come through, but it might, she might look at that and see it's the, it's the only path to success for her now. I think it has. Um, I mean, it's an interesting idea from Theo because I think um, a lot of uh, the polling recently has been around, you know, doing a preferential voting on basically a quite similar thing, right? With a uh, remain leave with no deal and leave with May's deal, uh, and you rank your choices. And I think there's, I think having two very clear choices for the, for the electorate to cho- to choose, as, as you've outlined there, almost has I don't want to say more democratic legitimacy. That might be a bit strong, but it's at least it's a bit clearer and doesn't rely on you know you you win the referendum in a ranked choice uh, way because of some fluke of the maths. You know I think there's it's what you've outlined is very clearly you get you choose between one two two things relieve or remain and then you choose between the other two things and then you see what you get. But I don't know. It feels a bit like. Um, Westminster bubble fantasy again though doesn't it I, mean, I, I, I just don't know maybe I've got egg on my face in, in a couple of months time I just really find it hard to see May May go in there but I mean what do you think I mean what do we think about Labour I mean, we haven't talked about Labour much in this um playing the long game uh, some would say probably vindicated I would say this week to be fair or not calling a vote of confidence in the government earlier this week letting the Tories um sort of fall apart as it were um but I mean they're gonna they're gonna come under some pressure aren't they soon to, to call a vote of confidence so uh okay so my um my understanding um you know not uh, to be clear not based on any kind of insider knowledge but just just based on what makes sense um of what uh, the leadership's position here is to try above all to avoid a referendum and to uh make sure that the government owns whatever happens and it's not seen as labor's failure 
so a referendum, as I think I've, I've said, said on the pod before, I think uh, is a very, very bad position for, for Corbyn to find himself in because unlike last time, he'll be much more scrutinised as a competent campaigner and his members will be, and, and voters will uh, care much more what he does and pay attention to what he does. So I think the leadership will want to vo- avoid a referendum wherever possible. Uh, but on the other hand, they need to be seen to be seeking a referendum because that's very much what their supporters and members want. Um, and uh, they need to be seen to be trying to get a softer Brexit. So that starting point, I think, explains very well everything that Labour's doing at the moment, which is to say that they are they they will will call for a uh, a referendum just just a bit later. Um, and the voter confidence has to happen first. And then they come up for justifications for why the voter confidence doesn't happen. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not as generous as you are, I'm afraid, in terms of my interpretation of this being a sensible political strategic move. I think it's uh, entirely possible to imagine a situation where the leadership had uh, argued that a re- uh, voter confidence should happen now because the Tories are weak and we've got to pummel them and hit the, and and take them down um, and and argued that. And I think a lot of their supporters would have would have swung behind that view. So. Mm. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if you see it through the frame of, of Labour wanting to avoid a referendum, but not being seen to to avoid one, then I think everything they're doing makes sense. I mean, the one thing to watch, I think, in 2019, well, not the one thing, but one of many things to watch in 2019, is whether or not this delay tactic holds vis-a-vis the shadow cabinet. You know, one, one of the people I'm watching very closely is Keir Starmer. Um he, he's been the one that's kind of stuck his neck out a few times, ever so gently, I think it's fair to say, above the parapet, but noticeably, I would say, for Westminster watchers, um, as being someone on the pro-European side of the argument and not in a, for want of a better phrase, Blairite way, right? You know, he's in he's in the tent very much and, uh, you know, he's the shadow Brexit secretary and all the rest of it. I just wonder, maybe he wouldn't resign, but like, I, I wonder whether people like that, the David Lammies, these sorts of people, are going to put a lot of pressure on the leadership to... To come off the fence, I'm, you know, they might not last forever with this um, with this fudge, is what I'm saying. I guess I just can't see what weapons they've got to deploy that would cut through in any meaningful way, because um, the story of Labour shadow minister criticises Corbyn's stance and then and threatens to resign or does resign or whatever. I mean, it's as old as the hills now, right? Mm. Like, what what difference does it make? I mean, you've got to be a real uh, Westminster watcher to say, oh, not not Keir Starmer. Well, that is different. <laughs> fair, fair. I mean, but but then it's like, you know, what happens in in Parliament, right? You know, if if, if a Starmer goes, let's say, and again, I have no idea. This is pure speculation. Whether he would do that, you know, does it mobilise uh, the PLP to get much more? Um, so on the front foot about trying to but much but much more what right like what literally what can the plp possibly do that would shake up that would weaken corbyn's position at this point well not as leader of the labor party i accept probably not very much at all but in terms of um, what's going on in a very sort of complex situation in parliament maybe maybe they've got more leverage there no i wouldn't say i mean corbyn's not going okay so you get you get 200 labor mps that say we're going to vote for another referendum now Mm. right you know that's it's not not insignificant, but ultimately this still has to be led by the government. And and actually, I mean, you know, for for my uh, suggestion there that that Labour are trying to not make a referendum happen, it's it's not like they got ultimate power to. They call for a referendum, and Theresa May says, "Look, Labour are trying to stop Brexit." Yeah, 
that is the calculation, isn't it? That you know, and if a general election were to come, then that's the campaign the Tories run, isn't it? You know, uh, Labour wants to frustrate Brexit. We're going to deliver it. Um, vote for us, or whether whether it will work is obviously an entirely, uh, entirely different conversation. Um, but let's leave it there uh, for, for this evening, Leo. Um, you know, thanks very much uh, for joining me. I hope uh, listeners. Uh, enjoyed our conversation today not loads of polling on this podcast that's because there hasn't been much in the last week but i'm sure uh, this weekend will bring uh, a fair amount um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how if at all uh, voting intention polling uh, and polling on theresa may um, changes as a consequence of what we've um, seen this week but certainly a dramatic week and it doesn't look like it's going to end there but as ever listeners thank you for listening to the polling matters podcast if you like what you hear please do share us on social media and elsewhere give us a positive rating on itunes and a nice comment it really helps uh, the algorithm gods push the podcast out there and get more listeners we very much appreciate it but for now thanks ever as ever for listening and have a great weekend <laughs>